focusing your time that you have right now and doing the things that you want to be doing for the right reasons is extremely critical. Mm. Whether you're an advisor or an investor, retirement is just the next stage of your life. And hopefully you've built up a little pot and then you can do, do whatever you want. But that doesn't mean that you should sacrifice your working years doing things that you don't want to do. Well, welcome to this episode of Kestra Out Loud, the advisor podcast, where we amplify the voice of the independent financial advisor. Today with my co-host, Maria Bethel. Thank Woo! you so much. You were supposed to hit the applause button. Oh, sorry. Maria, Maria Bethel. <laughs> Thank you. That's more like um, it. <laughs> we have a really, really unique guest today, Theron Schaub, Vice President of Strategic Relations for Buckingham strategic partners, formerly known as Loring Ward. Yep. Um, what a cool background that you have. Professional magician. But what's really cool, and I was talking to Theron earlier, what I think is really neat is that it's not about the magic. It's about telling a compelling story for advice, you know, helping advisors tell that really interesting connecting story versus just gathering data and spitting out a proposal. And I think that that's really special and unique. Yeah, you're actually uh, presenting to a couple hundred advisors today yep. and uh, talking about uh, some of the things that you do to make a really interesting story. So we're going to talk about that. And uh, at the end, I think we're going to be privy to a very uh, special magic trick. Got a few things for you. Yeah. yeah. So you definitely okay. want to stay tuned, tuned for yeah. that if yeah. you're watching on YouTube, <laughs> because you definitely don't want to miss out on the magic show. And Theron was actually on America's Got Talent. I don't think you're going to do that specific trip. No, 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 yeah, yeah. That's so exciting. Yeah. America's Got Talent. Were you nervous in front of like the judging panel? Yeah, there's like, some nerves that go happen with that. For yeah. Sure. yeah, I, yeah. I, I imagine you're probably even more nervous right now here with me in Austin. <laughs> you see below me. I'm just shaking. <laughs> just shaking. I, I right? can see yeah. it in your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to catapult your career. This is going to be the defining moment. Uh, I just wanted to throw that out there. Awesome. So. <laughs> We're going to dive right into the questions today because there's so much we want to cover with you. You recently were saying that it doesn't matter how fast we solve a problem if it's the wrong problem that we're solving for. And that really stuck out to me. And I was thinking, so what do advisors do if they're solving for the wrong problems during the client discovery process? How does that affect that process. Sure. So um, I recently got married in September. Congratulations. Thank you. And my wife and I met with a estate planning attorney and we wanted to get our estate in order and things like that, set up trusts and whatnot. Before we met with this team, they sent us an email and the email was basically a fact finding mission. Mm -hmm. It was a, Hey, where are your assets? Where are your liabilities? Um, there was no questions about my life, my goals, aspirations, anything. It was just simply an asset allocation worksheet. Right. And the experience right off the bat, even before we met with this team, was not very rosy for me because we haven't built a relationship and they're asking for a lot of personal financial information right off the bat. Yeah. Did it feel invasive? Like you're Almost, like, yeah. yeah. But unfortunately, that's what a lot of advisors, I hate to say it, and or investment professionals do in our industry. They treat it as a fact-finding mission first, and they haven't built the, the relationship there second. 
And so what we're all about is flipping that on its head. You know, typically what happens is there's five to 10 minutes of chit chat before the meeting starts. Mm -hmm. And then they go into this fact finding worksheet. Well, that five to 10 minutes, that that's your discovery process. That's what you should mm -hmm. basically hone and create a wonderful discovery process around. And that's what we've developed. And that's what I preach in, in the, um, or talk to in the presentation about how to do that successfully, what types of questions to ask, how to structure it, things like that. Because in that five to 10 minutes, that's when you're finding out someone's goals, dreams, aspirations. Yeah, it and used to be a life first approach. People connect oh. emotionally from a life first approach. Life first. And then you back into the financial instruments that we use as advisors to meet those life interests and goals. People connect emotionally. You know, we're very emotional beings. We, we don't connect logically. I know that seems weird, but it's true. Yeah. We make decisions based on more emotional state versus the logic and reasoning. We'll yeah. use the logic and reasoning to back up the emotional decisions that we make. So give us three takeaways for advisors listening. What are three things that they can do to connect emotionally in that discovery process? Sure. So I'll tell you a story. Um, there's a retired 49er player named Bo Eason. And he, this is his story that he told to us. And I, I found it very powerful. He joined the 49ers in 19, I want to say 88. And that's when Joe Montana and Steve Young were there. They're throwing footballs to all of the wide receivers and safeties. And everyone's getting up and kind of going half speed, catching the football, looking all cool till Jerry Rice gets up. And for those of you that know, know this, Jerry Rice, this is not a, I'm not a huge sports guy, but you should know Jerry Rice. He's considered the best football player of all time. He has more records than any other football player alive, including most touchdowns and pretty much every receiving record out there. So this guy knows football. Jerry Rice catches the football. Bo Eason says he runs top speed to the end zone, doesn't stop, reverses, and runs top speed 100 yards down to the other end zone. Bo was like, this is the first day of practice in the first season. What the heck's going on? Gets back in line, continue to throw in the footballs. Everyone's looking cool until Jerry Rice gets up there again, catches that football, boom, runs top speed down to the end zone again, and then runs around another hundred yards back to the other end. And Bo's like, what is going on? Why is this guy working so hard? Mm -hmm. And he wants to find out. So he walks up to Jerry after the meeting or after the, um, the football practice and says, hey, I'm Bo. Um, I just got to ask you, why are you working so hard? And his response was profound. He says, oh, Bo, it's really easy. When these hands touch a football, this body gets to an end zone. Awesome. Wow. <laughs> think about that for a second. And, and the, the point is, um, think about how personal that is to Jerry Rice. Right. Very, very personal. However, it's extremely relatable to all of us listening to that story. And that's the point. For advisors that are looking to connect more emotionally, the more personal you can make your story the more relatable it will be for all other people that are listening to it out there. So as you craft your why story, why you got into the business, the more personal you can make it, the, that's the way you're going to connect emotionally with advisors. That's awesome. It's versus you look at, we were talking earlier about robo advisors and, you know, there's no emotional connection there. It's just data going in, data going out. So that, that's a huge differentiator and something that, advisors to do to personally connect and uh, tell that story. Robo advisors will never be able to do that. Exactly. Yes, exactly. I, I do want to touch on one thing that you said during that story at the very end, you said, Jerry Rice is when the football touches my hands, this body gets to the end zone. Yeah. And one, I'd like you to note that I do understand those football terms. Okay. Um, two, <laughs> I don't necessarily understand all of them. So yeah, that makes me feel better. <laughs> so, but he's like, he took out any other option. 
then I'm getting to the end zone. And how many hundreds and thousands of times he must have been knocked down and didn't actually get to the end zone. He had to get up and do it over again and over again and over again. But that was his mentality as I'm getting to the end zone. So obviously he was really good at actually getting to the end zone, but it's not to be forgotten that he was knocked down and tackled probably thousands of times. Exactly. I just, I don't know. That but he gets really back up and does it. That's does his it. internal dialogue. That's yes. his why inside. It's like when these Thank hands you. touch it, we've got to- That's his why. We've, we've got to get to it. Absolutely. Yeah. It just speaks volumes to like what we do and yeah. like our work ethic. And it's, you know, other people have spoken about this too. But for me, that one, I always remember that. I always think about that. If I'm trying to strive for a goal, identify what that why is, mm-hmm. make it very personal to you. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I love that. I just wanted to spend a minute on that. We're going to shift gears a little bit and talk about clients and the market volatility because that's a really hot topic right now. And you have a lot of great um, insight on this. Do you often see clients missing out on opportunities in the market when they become highly emotional during that market volatility? Is that something that you see commonly? And what are some of the best practices that advisors can use to help alleviate some of that emotional decision making? Yeah, the first part of that, unfortunately... Yes, I not only see it, but our industry sees it. Right. Um, there's a company called Delbar that does lots of research on behavioral economics with the investing people in the United States and across the world. It's a very sobering statistic. So the S&P 500, if you look at the last 20 years ending in um, 2018, the return for the S&P was about 7.2%. The average equity fund investor only received 5.2%. Mm. So your average person is succumbing to their natural emotions, buying low or buying high, selling low, things of that nature. Uh, And we see it in the data. And year after year, study after study, it shows that people are succumbing to their emotions. And so, yeah, it's super unfortunate. You know, the the good news is that market rate of return is so easy to get. It's just that, you know, getting rid of the behavioral gap that we call it is so difficult to get rid of. You know, and it's our job as advisors to try to bridge that gap. That's why going back to that robo, you know, those people that are doing that, as soon as the market hits in the news or that starts to get, you know, they have no one to turn to, right. to say, to alleviate their fears. My wife owns and runs a very successful wealth management practice. And I asked her this question. I said, hey, like, what would you do if a client calls you up and says, I'm really scared or whatever? And she says, well, she does a couple things. So on Friday she sent out an email to all of her clients for a market update call conference call this week. And that was done on Friday. And because last week we just started to see some, some turbulence in the market that we hadn't seen before. Mm -hmm. And she did that strategically on purpose on Friday, because she says, look there, and my clients are going to go out and they're going to be social over the weekend. And they're Mm going to be talking to all their friends and all everyone's seen all last week is all this news about markets and you know, right now we've got this virus going around. And so whatever it is, right, people are talking about it and they're scared. And my clients are going to get asked questions. Well, what, what are you doing about it? Well, I strategically get the, that did that on Friday. So I have my clients have something to talk about. So, oh, don't worry about it. Nicole's got it under control. I've got a market update call on Wednesday or whatever. So it kind of kind of put their fears at, at bay. So it's timely, relevant communication. That's the number one thing that she um, she told to me. And I, I think that's very, very relevant. I think the other thing is if you've got an advisor that or a client that's really pressing you for, hey, I'm really scared, I'm really nervous, providing historical perspective on 
what their performance has been, she would be like, hey, look, okay, yes, the market's down 3%, but let's take things into consideration. Last year, we made you 15%. Right. Right. And the good news is we built you a financial plan that took into consideration temporary declines in markets. Mm -hmm. So what we're seeing right now is already built in to your financial plan, these temporary declines. The only way that we would get off track is if we suffer a permanent loss. And the only way that we're going to suffer a permanent loss is if you decide to pull out of the market at this time. So providing that perspective, there's a big difference between temporary decline and permanent loss. And the only way that we're going to have a permanent loss is if we do sell. It's that mix of informational coaching with the emotional coaching. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to look at it. Another interesting outlook that you've provided to us is time perspective. Mm. And I was really curious about this aspect. And I want to share with the audience um, some of the information you've shared with us and enlightened us on how humans spend their time over the course of their life. And I'm just going to read this yeah. straight the way you provided it to us because I don't want to mess it up. Okay. And I want everybody to really um, have a chance to hear all the numbers that we're going to throw out there. So the average human in their life is going to sleep for 26 years. They're going to spend another seven years trying to sleep, totaling 33 years of your life sleeping, which is fine by me. I personally love sleep. It's like my favorite thing. Um, (laughs) It sounds like a lot, but I'm like, I'm cool with it, right? So 13 years of your life is working, 11 years looking at screens, your iPads. That number's going up, by the way. It probably is, right? It's probably going to be 15 soon. That's your iPads, your Androids, TV, um, TV. anything yep. else? Movies. Movies. Yeah, oh. car screens, you're driving to work. Yeah, the GPS. Oh my gosh, there's so many screens. Okay, 4.5 years eating, 334 days in school, 235 days in line, because everybody loves a good line, right? Uh-huh. And 136 days getting ready for women. It's only 46 for men. Yeah. (laughs) I can attest it's it's 136 for women because it took me an hour to do my hair this morning. Um, (laughs) So after calculating all of this time, on average, someone has left eight years and two months. So how do you make this type of connection in retirements and what clients are really planning for with the amount of precious time that we really have after taking in all those numbers into account? Yeah. So I would take a step back from that, those numbers for a minute and mm-hmm. t- take it out of just the retirement because I think that those numbers are mission critical for any stage of life. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was in high school, my economics professor told us time is a scarce resource and we were learning about the invisible hand and economics and things, but that didn't resonate with me until later in life. You know, think about time from this. We are born and you have a bank account and in that bank account are the number of days that you have on on earth. And every morning you wake up and you make a withdrawal of one day. Mm-hmm. And at the end of your life, there's that's it. And so for me, this is very powerful because I couldn't figure out what I wanted to do in life for the longest period of time. Right. And for me, I always I was stressing more on you know, trying to find the right thing than just living in the moment and experiencing it for what it is. Right. And I think that's super important. Focusing your time that you have right now and doing the things that you want to be doing for the right reasons is extremely critical. Mm. Whether you're an advisor or an investor, retirement is just the next stage of your life. And hopefully you've built up a little pot and then you can do do whatever you want. But that doesn't mean that you should sacrifice your working years doing things that you don't want to do. Right. Obviously, there are certain things that we're going to have to have trade offs, but there's ways of 
making the most of time right now and doing what you want. And that was really the message behind that. You know, we help advisors at Buckingham free up their time from that perspective. We provide massive scalability so they can focus on living their life or growing their practice. That was from that. But the more holistic viewpoint is from everybody to like, like, let's take a look at what we're actually doing and where we're spending our time. Because as the data shows, you have very little free time, right? Right. Once you break out everything else that you don't, that you can do whatever you want. So how do you want to spend those minutes, those days that you have on earth? Right. And that's each person's going to address that differently. But that for me is important to think about. And I want other people to think about. So we don't waste it. So you teach advisors to how, how they talk about retirement and relating to clients and telling these stories. You spend your life in the retirement world. What does retirement look like for you? What, how do you see yourself spending that time in retirement? So as a kid growing up, my parents were divorced. So we had two Christmases, two Thanksgivings. It was a set of two every year. But the, my grandparents were really the matriarchs of our family. And I can always remember going to their houses during holiday seasons and the whole family would get there. Yeah. And we have very fond memories of my brother and I going to these these events. And, um, you know, they're all gone. All my grandparents are gone now, but what I see myself in the future is to be that matriarch ha- providing that sense of community and family, you know, for, yeah. you know, those special occasions, you know, we love to host parties, my wife and I now. And yeah. so we just see ourselves continuing to do that, but ha- creating that space to have building those memories for our kids and grandkids. Like that's, that's what we see. That's yeah. awesome. So in 20 to 30 years, we can have you back when you're the matriarch. Right, and we could do like a time capsule. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> this is how it happened. <laughs> explain it. So before we get to our magic trick, sure, yeah, yeah. which we're really excited about, we have one surprise question. Okay, just one personal surprise question. We're going to throw at you. Okay, because we're curious what the answer is going to be. Okay, so if you had to choose one anthem song for your mo- for this moment in your life, uh-huh. like you could roll down the windows of your car, open the sunroof. <laughs> And just sing at the top of your lungs, and you really don't care what anybody thinks of you. What would that song be for you? Uh, James Bond's um, theme. Oh, yeah. James Bond. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah nice. I like it. Yeah, no, yeah, the James Bond. I mean, that's huge, very theatrical. Huge Bond fan. <laughs> There's a new one coming out. Too. I can't wait. Yeah, Daniel Craig's got the I think number twenty four hours, something like that. But I know I'm a, I've been a huge Bond fan since I was a little kid. Yeah, and, and with Magic, and I've got. You know, I try to get my suits tailored after James Bond and oh, very you know, cool. Like that. Yeah, so cool. in the car while you're singing, you're wearing one of these tailored suits. Oh, for sure. And you got a uh, magic hat. Don't box have the DB9 and- yet, but I'm working on. It. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what yeah, you need yeah. next, right? Uh, yeah, the car is coming soon. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. awesome. So- I can't wait to see. You guys want to see something? Yes. We want to see some magic. And if you're listening to us on iTunes, I would highly suggest you flip over to YouTube, if nothing else, to see these amazing magic tricks. So I'm going to try to do this so everyone can see and the camera can see as well. So it has the the visual on that. We're good. Okay. So guys, I have some money here. One, two, three, four, five dollars. And I'm going to share with you an illusion. It's a way of making the money look like more bills. So watch, if I count the bills fast like this, you get this nice visual burn that there's more money there, but I'm not doing anything. I'm doing this with the thumb and adding in this motion looks pretty good. This is also my interpretation of active money management. You see a lot of activity, but not much wealth being created, right? right? Mm. Successful investing is not about trying to actively time markets. Successful investing is all about statistics and odds. And for the last 30 years at Buckingham, we have created or had our philosophy around a evidence-based investment philosophy. 
And what that allows us to do is to build portfolios that have the highest probability of success in capturing market rates of return. And if you combine that with patience and discipline in the markets, you can literally sit back and watch as your money grows in value. That's 100, 200, 300, 400, 500, 500. We started with $5. Bills. That's the backs and the fronts of every what? single one. You can feel that too. That's a real bill. I'm happy to keep it. <laughs> it is real. I can attest. This is yeah, real. It's a real bill. Yeah. It's a pretty good ROI. Yeah. That yeah. Awesome. Now you actually, you had this awesome presentation we got to watch online from one of your big presentations. Where, where can advisors find that if they want to check out that presentation on YouTube or where's that? You know, they're going to have to come to a live event. I don't think okay. we are. We didn't record that one. Um, I don't have a recording of it right now. Yeah. They're going to have so, to see us You're going to have to come see Theron live. Yeah. See Great. So uh, in terms of national conferences, where are you typically, where are you going to be that advisors could plug in and, and hear your story, see your your uh, presentation. I will be at AICPA later on this year. So I'll be in Vegas for, it's a huge event for um, uh, CPAs yep. in the United States and other broker dealer conferences. I'll be at that as well. I also do uh, a lot of client events for advisors across the United States. So they can probably check me out there. But the, all the public ones are, they're usually broker dealer or investment thematic specific. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have one more magic? Yeah, you want to see one more? Uh, yeah, All I feel right, like we'll one more. Shot. I have a little dice here. Can you roll that on the table for us? Yeah. Perfect. So what number came up? So Three. Three. Okay, and check the die out though. Make sure that there's different numbers on the die. Yeah, but they're not all the same number. Correct. Okay, perfect. This is super easy. In a minute, you're going to put the die on the table and you're going to turn any number face up and then you're going to cover the die with your hand. All right, I'm going to turn around and you let me know when you're ready, okay? Okay. Ready. You ready? Now, can you keep a poker face? Yes. Perfect. Count out loud from one to six and keep the best poker face you got. Go for it. One, two, three, four, five, six. That was really good. So you held your intensity all the way to the end. Uh-oh. Which tells me your number is high. Okay. Right? Yeah, it is high. But for you, six is way too obvious. You're thinking of five right now. Dang. I was thinking five too. You want to give it a shot here? Why don't you try it? Was it five? Yeah, it yeah, was perfect. Five. Yeah. Take this. Oh no, you try I'm not. As, I'm not. I'm real no quick, any over number here. you want, face All up, right, and then just I'm gonna cover do it. it. Okay, <clears throat> I'm gonna get you. <laughs> I got it. You got it. Okay, one to six. Go for it. One, two, three, four, five, six. Okay, so you got kind of bored and disengaged with this process, which is totally <gasps> fine. But that tells me you have a low number. Called me straight out. I did right, but I'm 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 right because your number was one. You could be right. Is it one? You are right. One. <laughs> that is awesome. I am thoroughly impressed. Awesome. <laughs> I don't know how you did it, but you did it. You guessed both numbers right. Very cool. cool. Well, thank you so much yes, for coming this has on been the awesome. show. This has uh, been fun. Please check us out on YouTube, Kestra Out Loud, the Advisor Podcast. Subscribe on iTunes. iTunes or YouTube. Or YouTube. Both. Absolutely. We could do both. <laughs> thank you, Theron, thank for you. being yes, with nice us guys. today. Yeah, this Appreciate was awesome. It. That was a lot of fun. Thank you. Yep.